Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Is our party being ruined? I had big plans for tonight. We had balloons. Slit all the air out of them. Popped a few. The parade has been cancelled. I'm afraid the Whitecaps are not Western Conference champions. Disappointing afternoon. We'll try and make the most of it. Got a lot of champagne here. Not quite sure what I'm going to do with it. Caviar's going to go to waste. All because of a Georgian. Anyway. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. Broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 224. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Joe DC. And I think we might be joined on the phone by our good old friend... Zachary Meisenheimer. Yeah, I'm here, Michael. You'll help cheer us up, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But we, we do have Joe on, on the show. He didn't bring the luck of the Irish as we had hoped. Um, he's, he's making his podcast debut, his radio show debut. And we want to make him feel welcome. I, I plan to bring a potato along, but I didn't have any left in the fridge. <laughs> But I, I do have a special theme for him, so we'll, we'll just play that for you now, Joe. See, a, a nice song for him. Upbeat from the start. I'm flattered, really. Yeah. Joe, you know, that's the only reason he had you on the show is because he has a song for you, right? <laughs> I'll that, take what I can get, I, I did actually tell him that beforehand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, it's going to be Anna and Gideon wonder why we didn't have any songs for them, so I'm going to have to try and get some for them now. Gideon's not an easy name to, to try and get a song for him, though. I think it is a biblical name, so you might have to look for some gospel music. Yeah. So probably something there. It certainly was hell. It. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're our man for that. So I guess let's not stall any longer. We're, we're going to have Zach on for the first two parts of tonight's show. 
he decided he just couldn't face being in the studio and just, just wanted to head home. Can't blame him. That was not a fantastic performance today. Just before we, we delve too much into it, how are you all feeling just now? Robbo and the players said afterwards that they were disappointed. What's your feelings on it? Yeah, I agree. It's a little disappointing. Um, it's just uh, you expected them to... But you, you were facing a team that was desperate as well, so it, it, you, you expect a little bit of fight from them as well, uh, from San Jose. But overall disappointed. Uh, you you wanted them to clinch this at uh, at home and you don't have to deal with anything next week. Zach, how, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, it's hard not to agree with, with the fact that it was very, very disappointing. Um, I, I got to see a few of the people after and I think I think Rob was probably more disappointed I think he's a little bit angry at some of the uh, some of the chances or half chances that were wasted in terms of not putting the game away yeah um, and, and probably the goal as well well the goal conceded but um, it, I, I've watched I've we've watched some of the game back uh, since getting home oh and, who are you <laughs> well I, I to be honest it felt a little bit like the first half wasn't actually terrible the first the first half wasn't too bad actually it, it felt like um not not a lot happened it, not a lot happened but it felt like they it, it feel i felt it felt like they got the they, it felt like they felt like hey we got the job done well and then I, yeah and then i have to, to admit, the, i felt that way as well yeah and then to start the second half they sort of it, it, yeah they, they it, there's a couple of times there where they needed to be selfish and they weren't, or they needed to be unselfish and they weren't in terms of the chances that they had on the counter. And they didn't, they didn't, they didn't have the attitude that they needed to at the right time. And they squandered those chances and and they, and they, and they didn't, and they looked like they just sat back too much as well, hoping just that, Oh yeah, we'll get one on the counter. And so it was, it was a very disappointing second half on the, on the night as a whole, also very un. 2017 Whitecaps like very poor on set pieces it felt like yeah I mean I mean how, how are you feeling after that one Joe well the thing thing was like you said that first half um I was taking some notes during the game um Hurtado's haircut was is really a pressing issue for the Whitecaps right now but apart from that um <laughs> I wrote down if, that, if that's the main issue you have from the game this could be a long well, night you see, you see the thing the thing was I think Robbo had a game plan, and it's been pretty much similar to what he's been wanting for the last, I'd say, two months, playing on the counter. And, you know, we were playing on the counter. We're generating chances, well, not really chances, but the, the final pass was really lacking. You know, if they finished one or two of those, like we've seen them do before, it would really be a different game. The problem was when they were breaking forward, when they were outnumbering um, the defenders, they were just making terrible decisions, like uh, Chani a couple of times, Gazal, Davies came on, and he did very well defensively, but um, offensively, he re- like that time he dribbled through a couple of players. It made me think that he's kind of part of a FIFA generation where you want to beat you know, four or five players and knock it in the top corner when a pass was probably a better option at that point. Let, let's start then by looking at the, the lineup and... There was a couple of changes put in there. Uh, heading into this one, I, I think the team was pretty much set. The only questions we really had was, would it be Eisted or Marinovic? Would it be De Jong or Harvey? And is Shea going to be the guy that starts on the left? Pretty much we thought it was going to be Shea. 
Let, let's look at the left back one first of all. I thought it would be Harvey, but the way that De Jong has played, I I think he has merited a a start, Zach. Yeah, I mean, we, we've said this on previous shows that it feels like his form is better than Harvey's right now, and he offers more going forward. And so at home, you want to get more out of your fullbacks. You want to get them more forward. And I think also in general, it's hard not to see Marcel as better being able to provide overall better service into the box um, from an attacking sense. And so, in theory, uh, yes, I, <laughs> I thought you might bring that up. Yeah, t- yeah, tonight was a bit hit and miss, but. Um, I think he, but yeah, potentially provides more more offense, and no. has been pro- and has pro- proven to be defensively responsible this season. And and the thing is, is like we we uh, were mentioning during the game, Michael, that it confuses the opponents when they get two guys with blonde with ponytails. Yes, and I think that can be an advantage as well. Speaking of hair, like Hurtado's hair. I mean, I I don't know if I was watching the white couch or the UBC women's team out there yeah. at times. You mean man bun, right? Yeah. Well, no, it well, was it, it was ponytails. Kind of ponytails, man bun oh. kind of thing. There's something like uh, uh, flopping around there. I, I the would, back. I the would head. personally shave them all, but then we wouldn't have free flowing hair like free flowing football. That's the philosophy yeah. behind yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> that kind of matches. Yeah. I, I'd still I, I'd shave everyone's head just as punishment for not getting the job done today. Goalkeeper, a little bit of a shock, in some ways, just in the. It, it was a ballsy move, I think, putting Marunovic in there. And again, he's a guy, he played well in the last game that he played. Obviously, he didn't play the last game against New York. He was he was away, but he played well the last time he played. Kept a clean sheet, was away, Ousted came in. I, I just thought he would go with Ousted, but now that he hasn't, is, is this Marinovic's spot to lose? Is he now the starting goalkeeper? I, I don't see how you can go back now to Ousted. Like he, like I, I thought. I personally think it's a mistake to go to Marinovic at this time, only because Ousted really hasn't like against New York. Yeah, he led in the three goals, but none of them were his fault. Like New York had some great shots. One was a deflection, um, and a couple of them. The first one, maybe he went down a little bit too uh, quickly. But other than that, it was really uh, he was let down by his people playing in front of him. I don't think he was the issue. Now that you've gone to Marinovic, you have to stick with Marinovic. There's no going back to Alstead because I don't mentally. I don't know how strong he'll be yeah. to, to go back in the gold pipes. Once you go all black, you never go back. Yeah, I think that's what the the saying is. I I was having this conversation the other day with someone when I when I got this when I let's say got the sense that there might be a decision to be made. Uh, if you go with Stefan. I think David's done, like mentally. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can go back. Whereas if you if you played David today, and things were a bit off, and I and I would agree with you, Steve, that the dead ball game you can't hang on him in any way, shape, or form. It was a different system, uh, not a first choice, fully first choice team. It's, it's really hard to to put that on him. Um, and so now that you haven't gone with him in this game, I think, and with all this, the 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 stuff that the pending stuff in the off season that's hanging over this with his contract and whatever, I I really think that he is not uh, going to be in a great place emotionally or mentally uh, in terms of being able to be called on again. Which, if you had played, I believe if you played David, I don't think Stefan would have been affected. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I don't think he would have been affected. And so if David got injured or got sent off or, you know, uh, was terrible tonight or, you know, terrible tonight and or next week in, in, in Portland, then you could, you could, you, you have options. Yeah. Now, now it just, it, if, if you're like, yeah, Steph, it's Stefan or bust. And, and I, maybe that'll be fine. And I know he made it one really, really high quality safe tonight and a couple other decent ones, but it, it, it feels weird for, it even just feels weird for morale. I don't know. That's just an outside, it's an outside perspective. I'm not saying people have said anything, but it just feels weird. Yeah, and uh, Michael, you were mentioning you noticed that when he was on the bench that he was kind of checked out. It seems. Yeah, his his body language on the bench. I looked at one point, and he his head was not facing where the action was, which was in the White Cats box at the time. Yeah, and he was sitting for a lot of the second half with kind of like his fist in his cheek, and his whole body language was basically, "I don't want to be here." Yeah. Joe, what did you see? Like, like, do you, well, let's. Let, all said, it's fine. But what do you, what did you see in Marinovic's play today well, that you liked? Th- I think the reason this is such a big deal right now is because it's been so stable for so, so, so stable for so long with uh, with Oosted and Goal. You know, since he came in a couple of years ago, there was a short little rotation between him and I think it was Knighton at the time. But it's been so stable for a couple of seasons, and he was fantastic for last couple of seasons. A few mistakes. He's starting to creep into his game, but. Now that there's an actual backup goalie in Marinovic who wants to come and challenge for that position, mm. you know, a, probably a younger model than Usted on a lot more, a lot less money than Usted is on. Yeah. Thinking salary wise, I think I looked it up. I think yeah. he's on almost six times as much as Marinovic. Yeah, but is I on. think that's temporary. I think till next I, year. I think it, that's it will go up. It's still yeah. be nowhere near David's, who is on for an increase as well. Yeah. So could this be a long term thing? Looking to next season, try and you know, as as sad as it is, try and move a. I fair to say an MLS club legend um, for the club moving yeah. on. Well, look looking at the starting lineup, Joe. Do you feel this is our playoff eleven? I, th- I know Belanius was suspended, but do you think that was the eleven that Robo wants to go with? I think it was very close. The only position I would really look at would be that left wing spot with uh, Breck Shea in there, um, possibly Belanius when he comes in, but. Brekshay does something that Bolaños doesn't do. He defends, he comes back. Sometimes his marking is questionable. He lets a couple of players run by him. But he defends a little bit more than Bolaños. His technical ability isn't there. Got a bit more pace. It's kind of a toss-up between those two. Tachera defends very well, but and Davies, we saw today, there's good sides and bad sides. Ever since the Gold Cup, I think it was Zach last week mentioned, that since the Gold Cup, his performances really have dropped off. And and the thing is, Breck has a little bit of more grit as well than Bolaños and that you might need that in the playoffs. Playoffs you get a little bit more tighter and everything when the play. But he can't finish chances. No. Well which... he's finished he has finished chances here and there. Yeah, but today he didn't. No. And I think that that was the I think Montero was the one that didn't finish as yeah. many chances. He's the one that was robbed a couple of times by Tarville. Well if if we look at the goal quickly first of all, I mean it, it was Montero's hustle that really set it up. Yeah. Then a great run forward from Tashera Zak and then He reversed out, it. Out to Nerwinski. Yeah. Brilliant ball in from Nerwinski. Reyna back of the net, one 0 happy days, popping the court. Thought it was a game winner. Yeah, I said to Zach, let's just go home now. Yeah. He only scores game winners, that's the match over. I yeah, was I felt, not right. I, I felt the same. You, 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 you know, you, uh, Jordy scores, and you're like, okay, we have a clean sheet. The game's over. We're done. It's done. Uh, it was a really nice, like, team goal, hardworking goal. You have to give a lot, a lot of credit to the Colombian for 
winning the winning the ball, winning the throw in, and taking the throw in extremely quickly. Yeah, not enough credit uh, to Colin by his name, though. Uh, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think, uh, I think he has a huge role to play in next week's game. I think he he does really well in Portland, but yeah. um, and then to to Chera, like to to Chera, the timing of the kind of reverse pass. Yeah, you know, knowing that uh, Jake's busting a gut to get there was was quality, and then you know even something as, as simple for Jordy as finishing with his left as opposed to trying to reshape his body to put it in with his right just shows his his class and abilities. That pass from from Tichera to Nerwinski is one of those passes you can only do on a turf field because of the way that the ball was spinning. Yeah. He kind of chopped at it so that when the ball was the ball would glide for a little bit and then kind of stop dead right where Norinsky's path ran into. It was such an impressive ball. That was on a grass field. I know we I know we rag on the turf a lot, but that the turf got us a goal today pretty much. That through ball would have been very different on gla- on grass if it was sliding. I, I, Joe, I would say it was our knowledge of playing on the turf. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well it's nice to but, see that that benefited. But I mean it was one now at half time then the second half, they just had so many... Breakouts, yeah. Breakouts. It's like there was a four-on-three, there was a four-on-four, there was a three-on-two. The problem seemed to be Reyna kept looking for Montero and then neither of them could get a shot off or they waited too long to get a shot off and there was other options which they didn't seem to to look at or play the ball into. And I thought their shots were okay, but... Tarbell, he, like I said before, Tarbell just kept getting down. He kept getting his hand to it, kept knocking it away. He he was really the yeah, reason, I think. I, I think we should give him some credit as well, because yeah. he's come in for David Bingham. But I, I, I spoke to him, actually, after the game. I'm going to do a piece on him on AFTN this this coming week, because it's a very interesting story that he's got, because he went to play with Reno, yeah. and then they've called him back, and then he got a chance just to come in when they were in a bad run of form, and then, he, like Marinovic, he's taken it, yeah. and he's now their starting goalkeeper. Yeah, because Bingham was there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. But they, they didn't take those chances. And Robo was asked afterwards, and we'll hear this when we play the audio, that did you get the feeling that it wasn't going to be your day or that just things weren't going to come off? And when you're winning 1-0, I don't think you can feel it's not going to be your day. But he admitted he was worried and concerned because he's seen this before. The team don't take their chances, Joe, and then the opposition from nowhere basically just get back into it. Although I say from nowhere, but the San Jose coach says he doesn't feel it was against the run of play. And when you actually look at the stats, which we will shortly, they had a lot of shots, but not taking those chances killed us basically. Yeah, the the game suited the Whitecaps a lot better after the goal, funnily enough. They were able to, like San Jose had to come onto them a lot more. So that's what created that those counter-attacking opportunities. But like you said, the... You have to question the decision making. Like, if if this was the game plan to sit to, which we assume it is, yeah. because of the play we've seen in the last couple of months, that we sit back and we counter, then surely we've worked on the counter attack. And if we've worked on the counter attack, why is the decision making so questionable? Like, those were those were training ground stuff. You get the ball in the halfway line and you run at a couple of defenders, kind of thing, right? So, well, yeah. d- despite those chances that we had the second half I mean when you look down at the possession intervals which I get obsessed with apart from the last five minutes when the Caps went crazy trying to win it it was all San Jose and it was like 58 59 basically to 41 possession the shots as well it was like 19 for San Jose 14 for the Caps although the six Caps did get six on target 
Um, just, uh, just disappointing because for me, that's the biggest disappointment. Not so much that it's a draw, and it's one of those games where a draw feels like a loss. But Zach, the disappointment for me is that we had the chances to kill that game off, and now we're heading in at Portland, and we might have blown our chance at even finishing in the first two and getting a first round bye. Uh, yeah, it, it it was it was infuriating. Like it, it was one of those games where they you know they know they have to win and then they can have a, a nice game in Portland. They can know that they don't have to play the midweek cup, you know, um, playing game, whatever language you want to use to describe that, that first playoff game. And they, and they really blew it. Like it's, it, I totally agree with you. It did. It, it was a draw that felt like a loss and it's a miss. It's a miss, it's a huge missed opportunity. Poor, poor. And you look. You look at what else happened in the other games today. Portland yeah. and Seattle both with four nil smashings. Like we'll come it, all this in part two. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting ahead. Of, I'm getting yes. ahead of things. But yeah, no, very, very, very disappointing that they they couldn't clinch, couldn't clinch first in the West. Yeah, totally. Well, that's some of our th- early thoughts on the match. I'm going to hear now from both head coaches. First of all, we're going to hear from Chris Leach, the interim head coach of San Jose, who's done well since taking over from Dominic Kinnear. Who knows, this could be another kind of Smitzer case in Seattle and he might do well enough to actually earn himself the role. So we'll hear from him and then we'll hear from Robo. Yeah, it was a big goal for us. Uh, we definitely needed that. It had big, big implications for sure. But, you know, I don't think it was uh, against the run of play. Um, I think for large stretches of the game, um, we showed some really good patience. And uh, we just lacked kind of that, that final run, that final pass. And on that particular play, it was good to see that come off. I think it was Wanda with the assist and Bucco with the goal. Um, really good play there to finally break through. Um, an otherwise very disciplined Vancouver team. You've really struggled on the road this year, but to, to come up with a point when it really, really mattered, what does that say about the character of your team? I think it says a lot. You know, first and foremost, these guys, um, they kind of knew what was on the line tonight, I feel like. Um, and they didn't run away from it. They, they ran right, right to it, uh, took on the challenge head on, and uh, really dug in. Um, it's a good result, good hard-fought result here and a tough place to play against, obviously, the best team in the West as it stands now. The, the West's been so tight this year. Up until that goal, it looked like you were maybe going to be in trouble next week. Now you head into next week, it's all in your own hands. Right. How does that make you feel and how, how do you approach the game now? Well, I think you got to approach it the same way we have this game, the same way we did against Portland last game, is, is running towards these games and understanding uh, the magnitude of the situation and wanting that on our shoulders. Um, I think that's what this group uh, in this locker room wants. They want this challenge. They want the opportunity. Um, they want to have it in their hands. And uh, I think these are the games these guys definitely um, look forward to uh, playing in. Heart, couple of heart beats, heart stopping moments at the end there with those scrambles around the net. Yeah, I mean, that's that's this, this part of the season in a league that's uh, filled with parity. As, as you know, it's going to come down. <laughs> And MLS almost always to the final few weeks. That's what makes it fun and exciting for the fans. That's what makes it uh, for coaching staffs and uh, organizations frightening at times. Um, and there were some of those moments for sure in this game. You know, 
obviously Vancouver had some chances too, and and so uh, yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say there were some some moments in there. But that's that's what happens in a game. Carl, just your impressions of that one. Uh, what, what did you make of it? Especially uh, you know, like you seemed to be seemed to be in control, and then was it switch off at the end? Or I thought we were in total control, and I thought that a little mistake or a little if we switched off, it might cost us, and certainly it did. We know they had good players and. They had, um, you know, balls in certain areas, but they didn't really hurt us. Uh, but one little bit of luck with them, obviously went through Timmy's legs and we switched off and they equalised in a game which we should have put to bed. So we've got to accept it. We're disappointed because it's an opportunity for us to win at home again. Um, but we'll take the point and move on. Like in, that, in, the, in the locker room, you took a little longer disappointed. than Disappointed. Yeah, no, disappointed. And it shows how far we've come, that we are disappointed. You know, we're... We're sitting at the top of the table and we're disappointed because we haven't been able to find three points at home. Uh, but we need to play better as well. Marinovic uh, had yeah. a couple of pretty spectacular saves. Yeah, he was excellent. He was excellent two games ago as well. Um, said, I, I picked the, pick the team and the players based upon who deserves to play. Nothing, you know, who, or who's in form. And, you know, David has, has played the majority of the games, but Steph, when he's come in, has been absolutely brilliant. And, and again, he was brilliant today. You guys now that you have to go on the road to yeah. clinch top spot and and they they can you can essentially miss out on the top two spots now yeah we can listen there's no pressure on us <laughs> we're in the, we're at the top of the table and everyone's trying to uh, knock us down which is fine but we're, we're happy we're there we'd prefer to be there than fifth or sixth hanging on to our playoff lives you know we we've been in the playoffs for three games so we know we've got to go to portland difficult place to go to they're a good team we know that um you know it should be a good game it's all set up nicely a one nil, you know. There's a lot. Freddie has a few chances. Yeah. Jordy has another. You know, did you sort of just get a sense that I did something was going to happen? Uh, it worried me when, when you don't get the second goal and kill teams off because this league is very tight, as we know. And when that happens and you miss chance after chance after chance, um, it comes back to bite you on the bum sometimes. And it certainly did today. So as I said, we're disappointed, um, but that shows how far we've come. The, the Reina goal seemed like sort of the, the prototypical goal this season and that yeah. there was a it was just everything happened quickly and there was a bit of patience in the middle and then yeah and then a burst at the end I mean what, what did you see from your your good, angle good play you know we worked on some patterns and movements of players and and that certainly happened uh, obviously the bug got in a little area and and reversed the ball to Jacob who you know played excellently all night and put in a good cross and Jordi was in there to tap it in so good goal good team goal uh, as you said it wasn't enough to claim three points You heard the gaffers with their thoughts on the match and we won't talk too much more about it but we want to talk more about the implications from it but just before we, we do wrap up talking about it was there any players that stood out for you Joe positive or negative that you thought had a, a good or really bad impact on the game for the Whitecaps? Jake Norwinski really stood out for me. I know Jordi, Jordi Reyna was selected as the man of the match, but that's probably some offensive player bias there. Um, yeah, Norwinski, I noticed a tactical thing that Robo must have noticed, that Tachero would tuck in so that there would be a lot of space in front of Norwinski for him to run into, because like his his offensive abilities are really 
have been on show recently, like especially in this counter attack where he can get up and down very very fast. Um, apart from Nerwinski, Reyna did have a good game. Just the finishing again. We've, we're going on and on about that. Waston was fantastic. That run he made up the field was was oh, amazing. Oh yeah, we were talking about it. Mm. like Steve's mentioned several times. Like how he likes to get up the field. That was incredible. Yeah, and, he, and you're in the corner there. Um, one guy that uh, uh, was retweeted by Chris um, uh, Corrigan, uh, Ali Gazal, his his stats for the game, 67 touches, 91.5% passing, uh, 12 recoveries, 6 tackles, 3 interceptions, 2 blocks, and 50% dual winning. Um, I think that was essentially his best game then at that point. That's interesting because for me, I didn't think he actually stood out that much. Well, he's the kind of guy that I, th- I think if he doesn't stand out, that's good. Like, he's that kind of player. Well, like. We had a tweet from Whitecap Scarf. He said he feels that Chani and Gazal can't start together because no, they're too similar. I do agree with that. I think Chani is the... Uh, the that That is the missing key for this team, that yeah. that position. Chani's not capable of playing it, getting the ball up the field. I think that's where the black hole happens. Yeah. When they, they want He'd to like to see Noza next game, but that's I too big a risk to, to throw that in for If a, he wasn't a, on a the bench like in this game, yeah. it's not going to happen. And there's two kinds of Tony Chani. There's, you know... Kind of sleepy Tony Chani and box to box Tony Chani. Yeah. If if we have the second one, it's a different kind of yeah. a player we're talking about. But Gazal today was fantastic. It's just that he, I think he's kind of the player that we thought Laba would turn into. You know, yeah. um, very controlled on the ball. Great, great. Like at this level, to have a player like that just connecting all the dots is fantastic. What about you, Zach? Anyone stand out positively or negatively? Yeah, it's hard not to uh, look at uh, yeah Rain obviously for the goal and Jake's role in that. Yeah, I was going to mention Kendall's run up field, kind of looking Beckenbauer-esque. But for me, the the, the person is is probably Christian Teixeira. Uh His pass and what he provided going forward were great. But I also felt like he was more defensively responsible than maybe he has been in other games this year, including getting on the end of like some defensive headers or at least one defensive header, which was incredible. Um, so no, I, for me, it was Tichera was. Was was a player who stood out, and of course, we don't need to use the word "man of the match" in a non-winning performance. True, and yeah, I wouldn't have given it to Reina. Obviously, he did just get it because of the goal. Norwinski, yeah, again, really, really impressed for me. Disappointing for me. I, I, I didn't really think that she brought. Like, he did well defensively, but offensively, I didn't think he brought enough. And the couple of chances that he had right at the death. That's what you're needing a DP p- player to be put in the back of the net. And he wasn't able to do that. I also thought Davies stunk when he came on. I just thought that was a really bad outing for him. Especially that one attack where he just took that extra touch into the box and just lost yeah, the ball. Yeah, no was, need to do that I think to the left, I can't remember who it was, but there was somebody to his left that was wide open yeah. and could have easily brought him in. Yeah. He tried to go through two players. Like, Three, I think, at the yeah, one point. Yeah. Well, he beat one, I think he beat two, and then they the kind th- of sandwiched him. Where he could, If he laid the ball to his left, it would have been... You would be breaking into the box just on the left side, yeah. but you know, decision making at a young age, we we can't really fault him too much for that. I, He's I only can. sixteen. <laughs> I can. Yeah, Mike, Michael will. Yeah. Uh, just to go through a couple of tweets quickly here, Rick Halland at Halas seven 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 says, "If Jordy didn't keep looking for Montero all second half, he probably could have scored a second himself, which was frustrating." Because I I tweeted out asking just for how people were feeling after that game and. Chris Corrigan, he gave David a hug today and and thanked him. So obviously saying goodbye. 
but it's not official until Zach yeah. breaks bread with them, and then they're gone for sure. Yeah, you you do like to say say goodbye to to all these players. Um, Ryan McLeod at CTV Ryan says, "I know it's not the end of the world, but it does feel like it's another missed opportunity in front of a big crowd. The team has made a habit of it, and it did remind me a lot of that Portland game. You're yeah. going, you're at home." You've got all that anticipation, Zach, which I know we've talked about before, and then you blow it on the big stage. And yeah, it isn't the end of the world, as we'll come to very soon, but it just it just feels such a waste again. It's difficult because it, it's, yeah, I know they're coming off of a loss, in a way loss last week, but it was a chance to to restart or build some momentum heading into the Cup, and it was a, it was a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Stefan Eriksson says meh to the whole performance and bench Davies bring on Nico. I wouldn't really be wanting to bring Nico on either, I've got to say. Whitecaps Garf also agreed that it's a, an opportunity missed. Uh, Mitch Williams, the one wolf, says big crowd, golden opportunity, a choke, also known as Groundhog Day. Uh, we were slumping at, or we are slumping at the, the worst possible time, says Whitecaps Garf. Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World, par for the course. Expected them to stumble down the stretch against stronger teams. Sadly, they have, again. Feels a lot like 2015, says Ryan McLeod, limping into mm. the playoffs. That, that's some tweets. Quite a, quite a pessimistic fan base, Joe, from, from reading those. I think there's a, a, a kind of a sour taste in the, in, in the mouth right now, but a couple of people touched on something that is very, very important, and that's going into the playoffs how is the form you know it doesn't really like where you finish in the table won't matter a lot if you're limping into the playoffs like most of the western conferences like there could be a team down there in the in the fourth fourth fifth sixth place that's you know they're good they're they have a few good games and they carry that momentum into the playoffs in the playoffs you only need to win how many five games to get to the mls cup final not even that because you can draw some along the way you can actually just win them all in penalty shootouts yeah (laughs) That, that would be my tactic. I would just be holding on for a penalty shootout. Perfect. Yeah. The draw today, the drop two points, does put the Whitecaps into a little bit of a predicament. Yeah. They're, they need a result now. They're leading the West. You, you heard Robo say there, there's no pressure. They're, they're the team at the top. Everyone's going to want to knock them off. Um, pretty sure they're going to feel the pressure when there's 21,000 folk being for their blood at Piggy Park next week. Two-point yeah. lead over both Portland and Seattle, who both had big wins today, as Zach mentioned earlier on. If we don't win against Portland, there's a chance we'll finish third. We can't finish worse than third. No. But we could miss a top two spot. And this is a confident group of players. They they don't really show signs uh, of having that, that confidence knocked very often. But you have to feel if they blow a first round by at this stage... What is that going to do to their mentality? Yeah, especially going into the playoffs. I think I think they need, like we said, if they get a result, because Seattle's not losing. Uh, they're playing yeah. Colorado. Yeah. At home. Yeah. Yeah, and Portland's got an easy game as well next weekend. What, against Vancouver? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, it, they need a result. So if they get a result, then they basically clinch top spot. They get a, a draw. Now, the question is, do they play for the draw or do they play for the win? Because if you play for the draw, you usually get a loss. And if you play for the win, maybe you get a draw then. I don't know this team is capable, though, oh, of, uh, of playing for a draw, Joe. Not, not at all. Like, in the MLS, 
playing for a draw is basically asking for it because yeah. one mistake at we're not at the level where like you know the famous Italian defending of old where you you cover every <laughs> angle or anything like that it like you know one one stupid mistake one you know I guess the ref can't influence us as much now with VAR in here but it's such a dangerous game playing for the draw at this key stage where it would determine a week of break versus uh you know a game midweek that's not not ideal yeah, um, and it, it might also mean we have a home game on my anniversary, which really won't go down well. I mean, a trip to Portland or Seattle would have been nice, but a home game on our wedding anniversary... That's horrendous. Yeah, that, that's not going to go good as well. If we're feeling a little bit down today, though, as Whitecats fans... Now, a lot of folk won't know this. I, I was looking at this after the game when I was trying to see... The, the Colorado-RSL game hadn't finished, so I was just kind of monitoring it to see what was happening with it. And a lot of folk aren't going to know this, but the stats for that game are absolutely incredible. RSL lost 1-0 to Colorado. RSL had 30 shots during that game. How many on target? Seven on target. Wow. Guess how many shots Colorado had? Don't tell me one. One, two. Two. (laughs) One on target. Fantastic. And one one now. The well, possession. Tim Howard came to play that game, didn't he? Seventy two percent possession for RSL. Wow. They shot the bed. That's White Caps <laughs> opponents numbers. And if you want to look at the possession intervals, which I'm holding up for people, which isn't really gonna help, but Colorado dominated the first five minutes. Yeah, and then afterwards. And was- then yeah, you really have to go and check those stats out on MLS. That's the most mental stats I've ever seen for, for a match. When was the goal? Oh, early. Yeah, it was early. It was probably in that first it five minutes. <laughs> I'm going to have a look at that. You guys just talk amongst yourself. But that, that third, lo- third, third minute, Michael. Third minute. Third minute. Oh, wow. That, that loss, though, for RSL and the point for San Jose springboarded San Jose into the playoff spots. Yeah. Now, if we were to finish third we would be playing San Jose again at home. Yeah. I don't think that's that fearful because we definitely had their, their number, their yeah, number they, today. Yeah. So I don't think it's really the end of the world if we finish third. And it would also mean, winning anniversary problems apart, we'll be playing the second leg of the games away from home, which I said last week I feel suits this team. I, I have to agree with you with that. Um, get a positive result at home and then play what we've always been playing away like it is it's tricky it's tricky again because do we see Seattle and New York defensive white caps or do we see yeah Sporting Kansas City defensive white caps there's I don't know this team is so inconsistent I know I asked this question I tweeted it in last week why yes. are the white caps so inconsistent we just I, don't have an answer yeah well I, I was talking about that during the week on Twitter and then Nathan Van Stone Mr. White Caps the, the, the Caps PR guy said what do you what are you talking about in inconsistency and said they're like nine three one whatever it was the, the record blah 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 oh, the record like, is fine yeah but the, performance the performance is what's the inconsistent yeah. it's not he didn't i mentioned that he didn't reply to that okay. aspect of it and you saw that today and you, joe talked about lumping into the playoff sack you look at these last couple of games and it's a three nil hammering against seattle and that was a hammering because we were never in the races somehow got a win Colorado style in KC, hammered by New York, and then today a one all draw, which wasn't a horrendous performance, but they didn't do what they needed to do. Are you concerned just about the the form that the team has right now? 
Oh yeah, I mean it. It has to be at least somewhat concerning, right? Like it, this isn't whatever twenty thirteen or whatever. We're, we're you know people are going to be like we backed into a playoff spot. Obviously, right? We it's been earned. Yeah, I thought we were going to back into the championship the way the results were going earlier today. <laughs> um, but no, it's it, it, it's very very frustrating because there's such a great uh, such a great chance to go in. Uh, to go and do something, right, and, and do something special. This could be an incredibly special year. It could also be a year that ends in, in disaster, yeah. right? Like they're not obviously they're going to play in the playoffs, but if they go out, if they play on that that Wednesday or Thursday one game thing, and they go out, it, this, who's going to look back on the season and be like, it was great, we came third, and. But no one's going to, they're going to look back and say, what a wasted year or what a missed opportunity year. No Voyager's Cup, no Cascadia Cup, you know, no top of the Western Conference, a one and done in the playoffs. Didn't even win the Rose City Invitational. No. Didn't didn't even win any Mickey Mouse trophies. No. But I got a nice trip to Wales. Well, CONCACAF Champions League, I guess, semifinals is pretty nice. And a trip to Wales with a bladder infection. I mean, it was all good. But the trophy, the trophy for that is, you know, pretty invisible. So, so um, looking at the MLS scenarios now, um, Houston is obviously in now. Yeah, clinched their spot today. They clinched with the draw against Sporting Kansas City, which hurt, kind of hurt them. Um, so essentially, that last final spot goes to either San Jose, Dallas, and um, Salt Lake. Salt Lake, yeah. and, and San Jose's got it in their own hands. Yeah, they're they're hosting Minnesota. Dallas is hosting LA. And RSL is hosting at Sporting Kansas City. So, out of those, like, who do you think got that six spot at this point? I, I think it, it's, I think it's got to be San Jose. It has to be San Jose. Minnesota, though, they've only lost two of their last six games. Yeah. So they might want to go there and play spoiler. Yeah. And they, they lost to LA today, three. Yeah, nothing, that was one of the yeah. Yeah, one yeah. of the horrible ones. That if anyone loses to LA, you've got to worry that yeah. that's not a good thing. But those players are playing for their contracts next year. Now yes. LA. Yeah, they're going to be really worried. Bruce Arena's going to come back and clear, <laughs> clear house. But yeah, I mean, for, uh, you can't see anyone apart from San Jose, Zach, surely now. Or there has been a lot of twists and turns this year. And I do think whoever clinches that last spot is who the Whitecaps are going to play because I'm not optimistic about next week. Yeah, I talked to talked to Shea Salinas after the game, and they're confident. They win and they're in. They're at home. It's Minnesota. They're they're. I think they're confident that they're going to be able to pull this off. I, I'd um, rather we have San Jose out of those three teams because Dallas could suddenly find their form, and RSL were in a good run. Yeah, they yeah. just had a, and they were. Yeah. And they, I'd rather have San Jose. And RSL was dangerous today, like you said, with the stats and everything. It's just they couldn't find the goal. Yeah, Tim Howard, Plus like it, I said, came to play today. Didn't play, come to play <laughs> against Trinidad Tobago, but he came to play today. <laughs> Plus, if you if you know if the, if the Whitecaps lose in Portland and they play San Jose in the, the the one-off game, at least you'll think that they'll be up for it because they'll realize. Hey, we we know we can do this against this team. Yeah, we screwed it. We screwed it up a week and a half ago. Let's go make it right. That's just going to make it worse than if they go and hammer them four 0 though. Yeah, but anyway, they could finish first, second, or third. But I think realistically, they're going to finish first or third. Finish first, then if things stay as they are just now, Seattle would play San Jose. Uh, Sporting KC would play Houston. 
So there's a good chance then that the, the Whitecaps could find themselves playing the winners of Sporting and Houston. And I think that's the trickier route. It says a lot yeah. that we're not confident thinking we're top spot, but we're you know, we're there's no one in there's no one in that this list here that we're You'd feel 100% confident that yeah. we can kick them, kick them around. I mean, knock that's them the, the thing. We, we, we know we can win on the road. But you look at all these places and it's like we've struggled in Houston. We've struggled at KC. Seattle just hammered us. Portland, we do well in Portland. So I, I don't think there's any easy route for the Whitecaps. But I, I genuinely, and I'm not trying to do some Whitecaps spin on you here, Zach, but I genuinely think if we lose next week and finish third, that might be our best route. The only up, the only upside to not uh, winning in Portland is that you don't, you don't, the supporters don't have to give Seattle the Cascadia Cup. <laughs> and and you're right, and you're right. It, on paper, if it plays out the way it should, San Jose winning, Seattle definitely winning, uh, coming third, and then playing San Jose first yeah. before before you go into the playing San Jose first and then going against Portland or Seattle. I guess it would be Portland. It's probably a little bit nicer. That brings us nicely on to Portland next week. Joe, what are you expecting from the lineup? What what we saw today, or is Bolanya's going to come in for Shea? I th- <clears throat> I think that you have to go back to you have to go back to Bolanos for this because um, we saw for, today from Shea that going forward he doesn't offer as much, and we'll be playing on the counter again. That won't be a big surprise. Um, I don't think I don't think much else of the lineup is going to change, and we need to have some offensive bite. Like yeah, two like in in Kansas that should have been a nil nil draw. Let's let's call it a spade a spade. That should have been a five nil Kansas <laughs> win. <laughs> Pretty much, but we we need a result. I re- I'm not a fan of playing for the draw. I'm never never no. a fan of playing for the draw. You need to have a game plan. Let be it set pieces, uh, be it you know doing what we did today and kind of shifting the team to the left so Nerwinski can run down the right kind of a thing. There needs to be some definitive game plan. And if they just stroll in there and, you know, get a negative result, they're just going to, like, that, with no momentum going into the playoffs. It's such a big game in so many ways. Yeah, I I, I agree that I don't think Shea should be in there, but I'm not sure about Bolognese either in, in the, on that pitch. Um, the guy maybe they want to go to, I don't know if he's fully fit, but Ibini. Possibly, ah, I'd forgotten um, all about him actually. Like he can maybe drive on the uh, on them a little bit and keep them honest on the wide side. So maybe the, he might be the best, but because I think that Bolognese, I don't know. I, I I just don't find that he is very effective in in the games against Portland. Hmm. What about you, Zach? Would you make changes? I have a strong sense that Bolo will play in Portland. Uh, Steve, I think you're thinking about the game earlier in Portland this year where. Um, Bola seemed maybe to switch off on one of their goals. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, mm. yeah. But he uh, has a habit think, of switching off, though. That that well, is the worry. Because when he the game, isn't fantastic defensively, when, when the games get intense, like uh, against rivals and everything like that, that's when he kind of is not there. When it's a game against somebody that you know, um, really, there's no stakes at. That's when he seems to play better. I don't know. Just, it, that's what it seems to be. It depends on the game plan again, because if you're playing on the counter. Um, who would you rather have Bolaños or, or Shea in there, right? Um, yeah. Bolaños is tricky in the midfield. He can lose a man and then potentially be that guy in the midfield who plays the ball, you know, to Tichera, to Montero, whoever. But if you want a bit more, 
cover on that on that uh, left hand side. Uh, Powell today for Portland scored a fantastic oh, yeah. goal. So wow. you know, yeah. if we go more defensive on that side to counter Powell, yeah. then you would want Shea rather than Bolanos because yeah. if 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 it's a winger against a fullback, you lose Powell, dangerous top of the box, all that stuff. Jo- Joe, though, I think there's been times this year that that Breck has been defensively very very poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, he right. he kind of switches off too. He has his moments. Yeah. But who would it's like the lesser of two evils in in that sense? They both offer positives going forward. I I personally believe, but you know, Bolanos, I I in my opinion, Bolanos would switch off a little bit more, and he would not track back as much. Remember when he arrived first, he had a really big problem not picking up uh picking up like the fullback as he would make an overlapping run. Maybe play Harvey with Diong in front of Harvey. Hmm? Oh, now there's an interesting one. Because he he does get forward and he and he is obviously going to be more responsible defensively. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't mind that actually. Yeah, yeah, that that's should get on the phone about that, Steve. Yeah, well, let's get, I've got Robo's number. Let's call yeah, him up now. Yeah. We have but, to hang but, up with Yeah, but we'll, get, we'll get Zach off. We've only got the one line, and then we'll we'll get Robo on the phone. Or could we there's see the than, three five? There's more two. than one line. <laughs> no, no, no. Joe no. just said, "Can we see the three five no, two? No, like, no, get get no, out no. now for no. even mentioning that." I'm, I'm and not, I, I love the three five two. I love the concept, but the yeah. Whitecaps do not have the personnel to play no. the three five. Nierinski is would be a great wing back, but on the other side, we don't have a wing back. Maybe Davies, but he's not in form right now. So let's wrap this section up then with some predictions. Um, first of all, I'll ask you where you think... Well, you can give both at once. What do you think the score is going to be next week and where you think the Caps will finish first, second or third? Now, I'm, I'm hoping that the Caps watch East Fife's game against Albion Rovers from Saturday where they were 4-1 down and then 1-5-4 with two goals in stoppage time. That's the kind of fight I wouldn't mind seeing. I'd rather just have the four goals instead of being down 4-1 and win 4-0. That makes it exciting. Nah, no, I want it exciting. Uh, Ulcers. No one, true. You don't need them. So, Zach, you, you can kick things off. What's your prediction of the score in Portland and where do you think the Caps will finish? I think it'll be 3-1 to one for Portland and I think the, therefore the Caps will finish third. Mm. Joe? I think it will be a one. I think it'll be a one-one draw, and the Whitecaps will finish second or possibly first. First, that'll I'll go first. Them, that'll put them first. Yeah. Hmm. I see a two-two draw. Um, I see the Whitecaps going up two-nil and then finally ha- barely hanging on for the draw. <laughs> I um, don't know that anyone's I, nerves can take that. I see the, the I lamest see, way to get I, top I see, of the conference. I see Timber scoring <laughs> twice in the last like eighty-fifth uh, f- minute and beyond twi- uh, twice in there, and then uh, end up two-two and they get, but they get end up in first place. I don't like your crystal balls, although the end result is is good, so I will rub your balls. <laughs> It seems people are tripping over each other trying to get it's this conference this yeah. season has been it's been fascinating to watch to be honest just just when you think a team is going to pull away they just you know some, yeah. someone kind of oh it's just hilarious to watch I, I'm going to go for three now for Portland obviously oh, Portland. <laughs> <laughs> and the Cats will finish third and win the MLS Cup with a string of nil nil draws and penalty shootout triumphs. <laughs> How many rounds in the penalty shootout? Will it go to goalkeepers? Oh, or? it'll go two rounds. It'll oh. be like 22 pl- shots each or something. Marinovic will save everything. Only seven we goals. We won't get any on target. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to the playoffs already. In my head, the playoffs are going to be fantastic. I like to think that as opposed to just one and done. Are you heading down to Portland next week, Zach? Because I really don't want to go, but I don't want to miss... 
I was saying this to Steve beforehand. I don't want to go all that way and then it's disappointed. But I don't want to not go and then we win our first ever Western Conference. Yeah. No, I'm, I have a ticket. I'm I'm planning to go. I just don't know if I'm going on Saturday or or if it's going to be a one-dayer again. But Yeah. And on that note, we will bid farewell to you, Zach. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me call in. Uh, Joe, I just want to warn you that uh, during Wavelength, you'll see a lot of Michael's dancing. Um, however, it's not. I was really disappointed last night at the Arcade Fire show that Michael did not put his Wavelength dancing into practice. I did when you went away. Oh, and I, okay, okay. I've, I I've been mentally preparing, Zach. Oh, you busted it out after I left. Yeah, and I, okay. I think it's bad for you to bail tonight, but it's really nice for Joe to turn up tonight when it is our bikini shoot. So, Sweet. Full, Sweet. full credit to Joe for that. Although mine is two sizes too small, and I clearly told him extra yeah. large. And I told him it's never too small. And on that note, thank you so much, Zach, and we'll be back after these messages. Hey, it's Stefan Runovich, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. You are still listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. And that was the magnificent, excited celebrations by the Panamanian commentators from Tuesday night. I was watching... Well, I had a fantastic three hours on Tuesday night. It was great flicking back and forth between the CONCACAF games and then the CONMEBOL games and America crashing out, Blas Perez... Scoring a wonderful goal. Come to that. Was it a goal? It was a goal. I'd, I'd give that any day of the week. Yeah, it was fantastic. The excitement. Joe has just sobered up. Republic of Ireland qualifying against Wales. Um, that was a fantastic win for you guys. That was absolutely excellent. The the performance by the Republic of Ireland team. Martin O'Neill with his game plan. Um, I, I saw an article today written by uh, Daniel Taylor, who was a very reputable uh, football writer in the UK. Uh, saying that Martin O'Neill is now one of the elite managers, even though he's never gotten a good job, and you can see what he it means. A Celtic right job, he, yeah, but you know, <laughs> he was with Aston Villa for a bit, and then he got yeah. fired because they they stagnated for for a long time, and then. But what at a, what least a he didn't relegate them. No, that's true. But what what a performance that that game! You know, yeah. the beauty of a game plan by players that know how to carry out a game plan is something we don't really see that much in MLS, but like. Actually, I was talking to Michael earlier about the similarities between the way Ireland play, which is park the bus, play two wingers that defend kind of a thing, and the way that the Whitecaps want to play. You know, everyone tucking in, uh, two banks of four kind of, and just not let, not giving any chances. That Ireland game against Wales, Wales were missing Gareth Bale for that match, but it was 
a fantastic game plan executed. All Wales could do was pass the ball in from deep, and the Irish fullbacks, you know, anyone who's ever watched an Irish Irish centre back, um, will know that they love heading those balls away all day. Long. Andy O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fun I mean that, that was great. I'm still having night terrors about Scotland's exit, but made slightly better by the fact that Slovakia didn't make it. Yeah, so nobody made it from that. That no. was the group that nobody. We, we would have made it through if we'd won. If we'd won, yeah. But still, Slovakia didn't make it, so screw them. In this part, we're going to look at the World Cup qualifiers for for a bit because lots of Whitecaps connections could have Whitecaps implications as well in the playoffs, not directly but possibly indirectly. But we'll kick off in Concacaf since that's where we are. That was a a fun night. I had, and like we said last week, the stars aligned. I guess, yeah, and the stripes. Because I, I was saying, oh, it's possible that they might not, <laughs> the US might not qualify. Yeah. and it's like, no, of course they will. Well, apparently like, there was like, uh, I, 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 I could be wrong. There was like twenty seven combinations. I think um, it was a one in thirty two combination. Okay, thirty two combinations. That was the combination. Yeah. That that was the only combination that could eliminate them. And that was the one that happened. Well, the fact that they were both losing as well. And I, I actually said to my wife, who had no interest in it, but I had to have someone to talk to. Jamaica? Yeah. She listened of her own accord. Okay. I was saying to her, oh, I'm just waiting now for a couple of own goals by Mexico or or something controversial just to screw over the US. And it was a, it just happened. an own goal by Mexico. Was that considered an own goal? Off the head? It was given as an it was given as an own goal. Once it hits the post, it is no longer on target. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, US went 2-0 down. The second goal for Trinidad and Tobago, that was a screamer. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Unbelievable shot. And then and they kind of, And the thing is... They and showed, an own goal as well from the US. And then they, and they, they showed no, like, urgency in that whole game. It was unbelievable. It's like, it was the pitch. They can't yeah. play on pitches that's wet. Could Tim Howard have done better with that long-distance shot, do you think? Probably. Yeah. I, I, I also... Like, I know he's not expecting Gonzalez to loop the ball over him like that. But he could have possibly could, done a bit better with that as well. Maybe it was just it was a waterlogged pitch. He couldn't move as well. And, and the the moratoriums, though, yeah. on the US afterwards. It's, think pieces. At, at first, it was fun. Now it's just like overkill and you're like, oh, geez, not another piece about the US not qualifying. Like we were going to do some. Well, I'm, I'll read some of the headlines that we were, we were going to do, but we'll use them now. Um, USA soccer nightmare. That was in there. <laughs> US one man's soc- nightmare is another one's dream. U- U.S. soccer needs a good shakeup now. It has half a decade. They just <laughs> they threw that in there to make it look like seem like epic. Um, a revolution begins at the bottom. Soccer revolution begins at the bottom. Take control back from the soccer industrial complex. And that's about. I think that's a lot to do with the pay to play. Yeah, and, and I think the lo- uh, guys like um, Taylor Tolman discussed it. A lot of people discussed the that you know how are you going to discover these guys. When you ha- like, especially the, the middle class to lower class uh, families, when you have to pay so much to get in, there was an article about FC Dallas and how much people they have yeah. in there, and and how much they make. But look, every they've year. produced players into their first team, though. They have produced, and the people that are go into that academy, the actual academy, they don't pay. It's the other yeah. ones that are pay initially, and then they use them and probably bring them into the academy. But I I see both sides to this. Pay to play, yeah, it does disadvantage the poor kids. But why should kids have stuff for nothing? Who's going? Someone has to pay for it. Yeah, and as long as the as long as the country's doing scouting, where they get they yeah. find these guys, and then maybe they can offer a scholarship for a player here and there. If, if folk will turn it back into Canada, like with TSS. 
because that's a, a pay-to-play academy, and that's an issue that a lot of folk have had with TSS. But that's their business. Yeah, they're not running a soccer academy for the good of their health. No, that's their living. It's their livelihood. They have a mortgage to pay. They have electricity bills for the complex. They've got rent. They can't do free. Somebody has to pay for it. Yeah, and as long as there's places out there that can offer, yeah, like maybe they should just do it where it's a balance. Like you offer scholarships to kids that you'll show promise and you can bring them into these kind of things. It's slightly different, I think, for a country like Canada and the States compared to, like, everyone's drawing comparisons to, like, Iceland, who qualified the smallest ever country to qualify for the World Cup. Like, these are small countries that, you know, you make a decision and within a year you could probably have it implemented, like, top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I heard on one of the MLS podcasts was that the States is a very culturally diverse country where people are coming from different backgrounds and different ways that they were that they were taught to play you have like people from europe coming with with some methods people from south america then there's the big mexican influence in the states as well i don't know if there is a top to bottom like this is how we're going to play i think it was taylor twelman that was talking about this that they need to if they want to win they have to find an identity like inclusiveness is great and it's it's what the america is all about but to win something you have to have an identity and it is tough. And when you look at the way that they went out, I mean, I find it hilarious, but it is also so weird. Honduras fought back so well against Mexico. Who would have thought to see them after the way they lost to Costa yeah. Rica, that they beat Mexico? And they played the two toughest teams. Who would have thought that after the halftime scores were there, Mexico just wouldn't turn up in the second yeah. half? Shocker. Yeah. And then, and then you got the, like we said, the Blas Perez yeah. goal. And then, I oh. mean, for, for all my joking... That is scandalous. And then um, uh, Ignati, the FIFA president, has actually brought that up and possibly will be ring- wants to have VAR in all qualification games because of that one goal. How does Blas Perez attract controversy the yes. way he does? It really is a skill. It's like Luis Suarez-esque kind of yeah. ability to just but have controversy. That he was... I think it was him that was tugged in the build-up to it. So that was it a, could yeah. possibly it have been, been a penalty. penalty. It yeah. would have been a penalty and a red card, even with the yeah. new rules, because the player was not making an attempt to play the ball. Yeah. So, th- And that's actually what the Panamanian players were appealing, not yeah. the goal. And the referee just got confused and let called it as a goal. I think it was great referee, and it saved time. He just wanted to get on with the game. Yeah, there's no need to time waste. And the, the winning goal, which... <sighs> a minute to go. Yeah. Roman Torres... What's he doing up there? <laughs> Seattle Sounders screwing over Basically the Basically pulled US. a Kendall Waston. <laughs> yeah. But the technique the technique on that was amazing. The ball oh. was bouncing. He was holding off the defender on his left-hand side, getting over the ball. Like what are These like, CONCACAF centre-backs like we've seen, Waston and, and Torres, why aren't they playing up front, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he gets kicked out of the States because of that, take him here, go three at the back. Parker, him, Waston, we're set. That's it, yeah. And then the thing is, was the, the even the when the, the clip we played uh, when the final whistle was blown and they were celebrating, like just moments before that clip, um, if you watch it, there was a pitch invasion by an old grandma. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that was the funniest thing. And they were, oh, it was, it, it was, and the streets were just alive after the game. And they were just so oh. excited to, because it's their first appearance in the yeah. World Cup. I, I had the game on. It was just phenomenal to watch. The president of Panama declared a national holiday yeah. the, next the next day, day. at yeah. two o'clock in the morning, yeah. which means he was probably not in a state to make and needed a quick excuse not to go to work the next morning that's probably very true 
I was just really really pleased for them. It, it's nice when it's a country that's never been there before that, that's got there. I I I just like that. And I know a lot of folk don't like Panama for the way that they play, dirty tactics, etc., etc. It was a masterclass of time wasting for the last five minutes, though. That was tremendous. The as substitute well. that came running to boot the ball away—that was <laughs> phenomenal. That really was. But then we got South America. South America. Yeah. Now, no, we're talking about Concacaf. Carnival was just out of this world. Yeah. And the way that because that was before the Concacaf game, so I was watching those first, and then the Concacaf one started at the same time. So it was hard. I had three games going at the one time. Bizarrely, I had the Argentina game on in English. And the America game on in Spanish from the streams that I found on YouTube. No. <laughs> but the, it, it was amazing. Argentina in. They actually, uh, Messi yeah. was able to pull it out by himself, basically, it seemed like. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, Chile's out. I mean, Chile yeah. missing. Like, oh. That they, like, they do have, I know the word is thrown around, thrown around a lot, but they have a golden generation right now yeah. with the players they have. And, like, them missing is so, like, Alexis Sanchez is one of the best players in the Premier League. Yeah. He's not going to be at the World Cup. Pedro's not having a good year. No. That, it was a big surprise. Peru? Peru Colombia? Colombia? Well, you know, they Ooh. kind of arranged something, it seems like. No, they, they've said good. they haven't, and I, I take them for their word. I trust them. I don't know how people, like, people were saying, oh, look, they're, look, they're collaborating. But they, they, everybody's got their hands through their face. How, are you reading lips through somebody's hand? I guess it just looks suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I still but wait, don't but understand that Peru are happy with. Yeah, if you're being Peru, don't you want to win the game yeah. and then you don't have to go through a playoff? It's it, I, I, I don't buy that. I, I know they're confident that they're going to beat New Zealand, and everyone I've chatted on Twitter about it's like, oh, they're going to beat New Zealand. It's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. New Zealand have Stefan Miranovic and and they went and Meyer Bevan and they just went to the, the you know the. Um, uh, the ch- the competition I can't remember what it was called the Ru- the Ru- in Russia where they where the Confederations, Confederations Cup, yeah. Cup that's it and they while they didn't win too many games they were like they kept themselves they went the outclassed no. and they got experience at that level which yeah. Stefan talked about a few weeks ago on our show and New Zealand are the only team in World Cup history to have never lost a game at the World Cup they drew all three of their games in 2010 so they lost to Scotland five two in 1982 oh did they yeah oh. I'm misinformed. Yeah. Yeah, they were in Scotland's group. Hmm. How many games of Scotland? Scotland were four now up, and then New Zealand pulled two back, and you're like, oh, jeez, and then we got a fifth. Ah. How many times has Scotland scored five at a World Cup? I think that might be the only only time. time, But those two goals meant we didn't qualify for goal difference. Ah. I have a fantastic Scotland World Cup story that I heard. I don't know if you I don't know if you've heard of this one before. So I think Scotland were playing the opening game, I forget which World Cup it was, against Brazil. And the opening ceremony ran long, so the players had to warm up in a little room just inside the stadium while they cleaned up after the opening ceremony. And it was Scotland versus Brazil, and the Scottish players were doing these little shuttle runs and sprints up and down, getting really hyped up to play the Brazilian team. And what the player that, they were, that was telling the story said that at the end of the little run, you could see down a hallway to where the Brazilian players were warming up. So every time you would make the run, you'd have a quick little peek to your side and have a look and see what the Brazilian players were doing. And the player said he made one run, had a quick look. The Brazilian players were dancing in the other room, just doing samba, <laughs> preparing for the game. And Brazil, that was a famous Scottish performance, but they still lost, I think. They lost yeah. 2-1. Yeah, they, I was one of their, their many heartbreaking performances. I, I think I could be in the running, though, for the, the job uh, to take over from Gordon Strachan. Alex McLeish is a forerunner. Hasn't managed for a couple of years, but has said he's watched a lot of Premiership games the last couple of years. 
So I, I'm in with a shout, I think. David Moyes, too, you probably have a better yeah. reputation. I, I wouldn't mind having David Moyes, actually. I, I know his stock's gone down a bit, but I still think he's a, he's a good manager. But Peru, New Zealand, implications for the Whitecaps in the playoffs. Jordi Reyna came on in the closing minutes against Colombia. So you have to feel he's going to be involved in the playoff in the squad, if, if nothing else. Stefan Marinovic, Mario Bevan and Declan Wynn as well, but that doesn't affect us. But Stefan Marinovic, our new starting goalkeeper, is New Zealand number one. So both of them are now going to be going away to play in that game. Jordi Renner is not confirmed. No, he, he will. Oh, he will, you think? Okay. He, he came on, so he's at least going to be in the squad. He it, might not play, but he'll be in the squad. But he was only there because of injury issues initially. Right? Yeah, but then yeah. he got on. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't think you'd have brought him on if you didn't want to really have yeah, a look maybe, at him. It yeah. was a massive thing for them. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, it's it's a tough one. They have changed the dates, which means that they won't actually miss a playoff game because it looked like they would miss the second leg of the Western semi-final, which is ridiculous. And folk are saying, well, how, how are MLS meant to, like, factor in all these kind of things these dates were known forever yeah you just don't play your playoffs around it and if it was america that was in it you'd be damn sure that they would manage to change it for that exactly the impact it could have is they're going to come back tired they could come back injured now the second leg's in peru yeah so So it's a shorter flight but it's not a direct flight no and it depends on where they're playing the next game too after that it could be in america somewhere they're playing so it might be we don't know where yeah where will be, or if we even will have a game. Yeah, exactly. The season could be long over and all, all these points are moot. Who, who do you fancy in it? Peru, New Zealand, or who are you rooting for? I, I kind of think that, I know, I, I like betting against the favourite sometimes, especially when they're so overwhelmingly, everybody's talking about it. So I, I do Says think... the Man United fan. Yeah, I I think the Peru, I th- but I do think Peru will pull out. I probably will be cheering for New Zealand though. I, I think it will be closer than people are assuming on Twitter, but uh, I still think Peru have enough to to make it. It means so much for both teams, but Peru in particular. I know a lot of my Peruvian friends are just going crazy at the prospect of making it to the World Cup. I, I think the first leg in New Zealand could be a draw. 1-1 maybe, 0-0 maybe. But then I think Peru will comfortably win by a couple of goals in the second leg. I want New Zealand to win um, just because, simple reason... Yori Reyna's never done an interview with us in English. We've spoken to Declan Wynn, Meyer Bevan, and Stefan Marinovic a lot of times. That's, so, th- that's the tiebreaker yep, right there. That's, that's why I'm going for New Zealand. That's Jordi Reyna's fault for not learning English. Yeah. And you have to wonder as well, would America have done better if they had Timmy Parker in the defence? Couldn't have done any worse. Cause that's we, true, yeah. Because <laughs> they're out of the World Cup. Would Timmy Parker have deflected a ball over his own goalkeeper into the net? No. Never seen him do anything yeah. close to that. So I, I I, think they would have. I think they should have called up Timmy Parker. But the US's loss is the Whitecaps' gain. And that just brings me nicely to our new segment, which we launched last week, Take Me Out, all about takeout food. So this week, Timmy Parker is going to... Take me out! So, Tim, you're at home at night, you can't be bothered cooking, you decide to get some takeout food. What is your takeout food of choice? Um, usually Mexican, like tacos, or it's, it would be between Mexican or sushi. Do you have any favourite places here that you kind of go to for it regularly? Yeah, I think um, 
for sushi, there's a place over by my apartment. It's called Sushi California. And then Mexican, it's kind of a toss-up between Chipotle and La Mezcal. Do you find the food different here to what you've used to have been growing up with uh, out in New York? Yeah, very. I think growing up in New York, there's definitely like a lot more, I guess, kind of standard restaurants, not really uh, specific food. So I guess a lot more kind of American restaurant style. That's great. Thanks so much. So Tim Parker there, talking about his favourite takeout places. And now, it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web headlines are brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news and links. Make sure you add bcsoccerweb.com to your daily feed. You'll get all the news and all the headlines. And we're going to look over some of the ones that's caught our eye this week, Steve. Yeah, we've already talked about a few, uh, like for the World Cup stuff, so we'll skip those. Um uh, uh, one of the, one of the funnier ones was a Russian football commentator walks out on live air. Um, essentially, there was a, he disagreed with the referee referee's call and just left. And the, basically, I think the last twenty to thirty minutes was basically dead air. Yeah, and they I, just showed the thing. He just was so upset. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever done that for UBC or TSN. No, not, no walkout yet. Not, not yet. Okay, I, I did pass the headset to Joe on Friday night when UBC were losing one 0 Give it to Joe for the last 15 minutes, and they scored three goals. Excellent. Luck of the Irish, mm. definitely. Um, another headline, Chinese Super League administrators bring in foreign referees. So, obviously, the referees that are currently in China, they're not really working out. So, maybe MLS should take it. It'll maybe bring somebody in from outside. Not been a good year for the Chinese Premier League. No. There's been a lot of stuff that comes yeah. up there. Have you discussed the Andres Villas-Boas uh, complaining about the time-wasting strategies that he's been... Well, we, we complained about the way, the fact that I think he's the one that complained that once about the accidents being uh, in front of him and he had to delay them getting to yeah. the Orchestrated accidents. Or, yeah. Orchestrated accidents. Um, another headline, Tim Cahill may face FIFA investigation for sponsored goal celebration. Now, he's sponsored by somebody, and a, a, a T something, and he made a T symbol after scoring that big goal um, against Syria. Yeah. And and basically now there might be some issues with that because it's a sponsor. But it's all nonsense. Basically, before the game, I emailed him and I asked him, what's his beverage of choice? Is it coffee or tea? And does he want a chocolate digestive with it? And, and that know, was just him giving me the answer. Let you know what it was. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tea, no chocolate digestive. Yeah. Um, one of the bigger stories, uh, a bribery case has been opened up against the PSG owner, um, Nasser Al-Khalafi. Um, Qatari. Uh, yes, and he, he's a PSG owner. And basically, it has to do with BN Sports and, and uh, a company called Valky um, over the World Cup TV rights. Um, so that I, 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 I They're think so shady around the world, though. I know. So I think there's. I wonder if that's going to affect something down the road. I don't know if it's going to affect Russia, but maybe Qatar. Again, we mm. talked about it last week, and maybe I think we're, other, we're just hoping that something's going to affect Qatar. Because I don't honestly don't want to see anybody die in that heat. Yeah, <laughs> I think at this point. FIFA can't do anything 
just to save face, they can't really uh, like move that World Cup or anything because they have to justify their own process. Kind of like all the bribery stuff that we've seen. That we've seen from the outside, it looks like a huge, huge scandal and set blaster and all that stuff. But on the inside, there's still this facade that everything is kind of everything is okay, and you know the, the amount of money that they spend on conferences and the the phony. Um, surveying process that they have for each country when you know there's bribery going on behind the scenes, so everyone knows who they're going to vote for anyway. It, it's all the TV rights as well, because there was a good thread that a guy had gone on on Twitter about, and the USSF and MLS and some and everything they're also intertwined, and they're they're selling rights to the domestic game and to the US qualifiers. Then you've got the the big deal that's been signed by Fox for the World Cup, yeah. And now the US isn't going to be there, so they've got them. this mega million dollar deal to show games at two in the morning. Yeah, that that really that Twitter um, feed that you, that you were talking about that really needs to be looked into more because yeah. the people that ha- uh, decide on conflict of interest are the same people that are uh, that are in charge of like making like, yeah. John Garber and the. The head of the U.S. men's soccer—I forget, I forget his name—but Sunil Galati, yeah, he, who somehow is hanging on to his job because no, there doesn't seem to be anyone else that can well, come in and. There are people that are. That, yeah, in, I don't know how it. serious contenders they really yeah, are. Though. It, and the it's problem only the last is, few days now that that they didn't qualify, that there's any talk of anyone yeah. else running against him. Yeah, because nobody because nobody brought it up yeah. before, but we we brought it up. Yeah. It was a headline a few, uh, a few weeks ago that we brought it up. But um, the only issue is, is if too many people start running. That's going to split the vote for the people against Galati, yes. and then Galati needs to gonna be gonna, one gonna, solid candidate yeah, that and everyone every, can get behind. Exactly. Um, uh, a story out of Pakistan: uh, FIFA has suspended Pakistan from international play due to government interference. Um, Norway FA agrees to pay uh, male and female uh, international football players equally, which I still have an issue with. Why do you have to play your international players? I can I can understand paying them a stipend, like you know, for their expenses, but I don't think they should earn a salary. They should be playing for the yeah. country. It should be a privilege. It used to be a privilege. Yeah, I don't know where when this started. When I was growing from. up, it's like to put on the Scotland jersey. That's all that young lads wanted to do. Like in other sports, I don't think they, anybody gets paid. I think this is only a football thing. I, I I don't think it happens in hockey. I don't think it happens in basketball. I I I could be wrong, but I don't. I never heard of it like this. And I know the English national team players for a few years now have been donating their their that fee that they get from the FA to charity. Yeah. I think I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Rain, Wayne Rooney was behind all that. But um, like, I, I agree. You don't you really shouldn't have, shouldn't get paid to yeah. play for your national team. It should be about pride and all that kind of stuff. Mm, I'd love to play for Scotland. I think I've got a chance. Um, another story. Um, the USSF is seeking a dismissal of that antitrust case. It came yes. out this week. Um, I, I think it could happen. I, think, I, I, I read the document. Yeah. I tweeted it out as well. And, when you read it, they actually made a lot of valid points. And I I could see it getting thrown out. But it is, they make a lot of good points in that. They shoot down a lot of the NASL arguments saying, look, basically, this is what we, we've we said it's been for years. We gave you a chance to sort this. You haven't done it. Whereas USL have done some things, which we're going to kind of come to with WFC2 in a little bit. But they're going to meet the criteria. Yeah. Um, another, uh, a couple stories about CPL this week. Um, first of all, the Wanderer Stadium, which is uh, the one in Halifax. Um, they're saying now it won't be ready till 2019, 
which could be the whole thing about them not starting until 2019 yeah. at this point. It, I've, I've been told it's not starting until 2019. Yeah, and I don't think they should rush. I think that's a smart move. Don't rush to something and then make it seem like a Mickey Mouse operation. Yeah. Get it all, all your ducks in a row and then get set it up on 2019 and get running on that. Um, a little bit of mystery came out this week about apparently a stadium. Was it a star- mystery? It was to this author. Uh, uh, <laughs> this yeah, the author of this article, yeah. yeah. Um, he was he was the, uh, clearly not clued in because his initial thing was mystery stadium coming to Surrey. He asked Whitecaps, Bobby Leonard Doozy. He would ask the BC Lions. They said they have no idea what's going on here. Um, but it came out later on in the week. Global, I think, broke it. Yeah. A couple other places. Because the CPL issued an actual statement. Yeah, exactly. Because he should have... But you would have thought that they would maybe have done... Well, You've probably first, never heard of the CPL, though. No, but he for, he should have just asked somebody, like, um, is somebody in another, like in the soccer community, and if he just paid a little bit of attention, he would have found out what's mm-hmm. going on. But it's fine. But it is coming now. Yep. Appar- no, well, it's well, not coming. Yes. It's not coming. It's out for... It's, uh, discussion yeah. or, or I was debate. I say tender, but it's not really tender. It's planning for permission. Planning permission. That's what it, so, other interested parties. Yeah. So it looks like if, if Surrey is obviously an ideal situation only because it's out in the middle, kind of. It can attract people from Vancouver, New West, um, Richmond, and then also it's easier for people from Langley, Cloverdale you know, to get there. People can come by SkyTrain. Yes. That, that's been that's the, the, big, the big, thing. big thing. Yeah. And for, from, what, from what I've learned this week... The Fraser Valley group that, that's behind it, they'd initially been looking at Langley, but then, I mean, we, we talked about this. It's not on a sky train. So although you've got maybe like Langley United do great things out in Langley, Whitecaps have played games in Langley and they get good crowds, but to get the kind of attendances they're wanting, it has to be by a transit hub. So they've now looked at Surrey. I think Surrey is their number one choice. The Langley thing... There was planning permission put into Langley Township for a stadium, and I believe it is still in there as well. So there's plans in with Surrey, there's plans in with Langley, but I think Surrey's plan A and Langley is plan B. Yeah, and I think that would work out. I I, I still say that um, Coquitlam is that the yeah, that, from, that field. Coquitlam or Burnaby, I think that, makes Burnaby. Way more sense. Burnaby would the, be the best sense, but I don't know. Burnquitlam. Yeah. Something like that. Which I can't believe actually is a place, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think the, I, I agree that they need a central location and that would be it. And that's it for headlines. Yeah. I've been to Percy Perry in Coquitlam. Yeah, that's it was, a nice It was thing. very cold that night. Yeah. I was like, brr, Coquitlam. <laughs> nice breweries out there too. Yeah. Add that in. I, I never got to tell my Portland joke that I had. I meant to tweet out, I was going to get people to send us their best Portland jokes. So I'll, I'll just tell you this one now. Sure. Portland fan goes to the doctor. He's got a frog in his ear. And the doctor says, how long have you had that for? And the frog says, ah, oh, quite a few months now. It's that is a boil in my ass. <laughs> you have to edit anyway, that out. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Talked about it there. It wasn't a headline this week. I'm pretty sure it will be a headline next week. Yeah, it came on later on in the weekend. Yeah, then, yeah. Uh, of course, it's our own article uh, on AFTN. We give you the, all the ins and outs. We've talked about it on the podcast for for quite a few weeks now. That it's the end of the Whitecaps 2 season. It's the end of the Whitecaps 2. And I didn't really want to bring out all the facts and all the ins and outs of it until the season was over, out of respect for the team, for the players, and to make sure that I got all the facts. Because as I've talked about in this show before, being first with the news is not important. 
being accurate and factual with the news is what is important. Hundred percent. Mystery Stadium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Nashville guy from last Oh yeah, that Nash well. yeah. yeah. It's like get your facts right. And yeah, other folk have tweeted about this and then I had basically everything that's in our article is accurate. The White Cats are going to be signing a deal with Fresno. It can't get announced until after the current USL season. Which is, I think, mid-November or yeah. so? Yeah, USL Cup's mid-November. So the White Cats can't say anything. They've had a lot of criticism. Why aren't you saying anything? They're not able to say anything yeah. until the season finishes. Not their season, but the USL season. There's going to be a deal with Fresno. It's There's a lot of ins and outs to it, but my understanding is there's going to be at least 12 White Cats players going down there. Some of them will have MLS deals. Some of them will have Whitecaps USL deals. There'll be at least six Canadians there. The team is not going to be coached and run by Frank Yallop. He is the general manager. There's going to be a head coach put in. That head coach, the Whitecaps, will work with Fresno to appoint it. He'll work closely with Robbo. The Whitecaps will have a, a liaison guy that will travel between Vancouver and Fresno just to make sure that everything's working good, keep a tab on the players, see how they're getting on. For me, I think that will be Rich Fagan. That isn't confirmed or anything. I just think it might be Rich. Rich is going to move to be the head coach of the U19s, going back to to what he did before. So I think that makes sense for him to do that. Another liaison could be Craig Dalrymple too. Yeah, Dalrymple could be that. Gordon Forrest could even go up and down. Obviously, he's he's busy with the first team. team. And a lot of people have said, oh, the Whitecats are doing this from a monetary point of view. And yes, they are, in that they're doing it because they're losing a lot of money. And can you put a price on development? If you look at how much money they're investing in the residency programme and what that programme has produced, they're not getting the return that they should get for that. And this way, the players still are getting developed... And Well, first of all, I want to say, I wish the team was still here. Yeah. I loved this team. I loved covering the team. I was one of the few folk that, that did cover them. I went to training. We interviewed the players. We were very close to the team. As, as a brand, AFTN, we worked closely with the team, did cover commentary this year for them. We, did, uh, we used to do podcasts right after the game. Yeah, sometimes during it. Yeah, sometimes during it. And I wish the team was still here. But it makes sense to me from a business decision that they go somewhere else. But not only that, these players are now not guaranteed that they're going to be starting. Yeah. The CSA mandated that six Canadians had to start. That's gone now. Yeah, they have to earn it. Yeah, they have to earn their spot. They have to show that they deserve to make that breakthrough. And there's not been players this year that you look at and think, yeah, they can get an MLS deal. The only two for me that would maybe get MLS deals... Meyer Bevan, David Norman. David Norman, for me, is the Whitecaps 2 Player of the Year. Yeah, and, and I think another guy could be on the outskirts would be uh, maybe Gloria Amanda. Um, yeah, he could De- be, Declan Wynn as well, yeah. I like. But, but Declan Wynn's old. I don't see he... He's older, so I don't know if it's going <laughs> to... Mid-20s. Mid-20s is too old for like, a developmental guy to, to bring in. That cuts like, me deep, Steve. Yeah, cuts oh, me uh, deep from uh, twice that. Yeah, I'm up there too, so... <laughs> I'm just talking about soccer. No, age. Y- soccer yeah, age. yeah, right. And also, it's hard to see where where he fits in. But and, I mean, and the thing is, how many how many roster spots are usually on a USL team? Twenty to twenty five. Yeah. So that's half the team is going to yeah. come from the Whitecaps, and then half the team is going to be veterans, and they're going to have to compete to you know earn their spots, and that could be beneficial. You're saying six minimum Canadians. It could be more. Yeah. It could be up to ten, but there will be twelve players going down. And so. some of those six could be the the 
the ones that have got MLS deals like Bustos and things. Obviously, we don't know. And Canadians count as domestic too, there, right? Yes, the that's the so big that thing. that'll help them do because yes. they don't have to worry about being interna- considered international. Players. And they're hoping to get nine to ten thousand fans there. Whether those fans want to go and watch Canadian teenagers is another thing. It would be interesting to see what the fan base their reaction to this when it comes out because their identity is going to change. Their head coach is going to be appointed yeah. by a Canadian club. It could it could be seamless, but. There's potential there for it. But I mean, all, all these clubs have some affiliation. Like Reno doing well in their uh, their first year. They're like San Jose Earthquakes. And the, the San Jose keeper today actually played a month with Reno. So yeah. th- they've had a good relationship there. What's your thoughts on it? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? Well, obviously the decision was made from a financial standpoint. And um, on Twitter, a lot of people have been ta- talking about like, have the Whitecaps really benefited from having the Whitecaps too around? Like, which players can we name that have come through? Maybe uh, Brett Levis. Um, obviously, his injuries kind of put him in back a little bit now. But I do think one valuable thing we will be losing, and I think it will come and bite us later on, is that they now players have to travel. If they if we need a player quickly to come back yeah, for a yeah. game, they're going to have to fly up. And we see, like... But but they but haven't used it yeah, that much, and they haven't yeah. dropped people down for like conditioning stints this year no, at all. Right, the, so. the, the players that they put down stayed there, yeah, like Bustos and Siler and Spencer Ritchie as well, barring emergency things. So Robo hasn't wanted to use it this year for that. So if he's not going to use it, yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's here or, or somewhere else. Timbuktu, Timbuktu maybe because it's a different league, but that's not a direct flight either. No, I think maybe three flights to get there. I, I don't know, it's, it's it's sad, and there's a, a a whole other discussion to have, which we will have once the official announcement's been made, as to how much the Whitecaps have buggered up this team from start to finish. But that that's for another day. But the Whitecaps did wrap up their season on Friday. 4-3 loss. They were winning until I got there after the UBC game, and then they capitulated. And, Three goals. Yeah. So, so you, you basically gave up your headset to Joe. They want they scored three. Yeah, and then you showed up at WFC two. The opposition yeah. scored three, and UBC also won on Saturday night when I was commentating. Yeah, I, I've had a great weekend. It's <laughs> been at least these five one two goals in injury time. Just to stress that again, but it was a, it was a tough game. It was a good performance. It's been a tough season. Only five wins on the year. Finished second bottom of the West. Tough, tough, tough. I got a chance to speak to Rich Fagan after the game. We didn't talk about anything to do with the Fresno thing, just about the season that's been, what he's learned from it and stuff. So let's hear from Rich now. Does tonight kind of sum up kind of the season up ahead and then just not able to hold on? Yeah, as I said to Steve Meadley, my assistant coach, I mean, that sums up our season in 90 minutes. Uh, the best and the best and worst of us. Some great goals, some great football, like really good intention. And then just some gaffes that cost us. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, those are mistakes that young players make. And, you know, I would hope, I believe that they will learn from it and, and they'll, they'll move on. The, the season, like, there's not been many games where you've, you've let a lot of goals in. So many, like that big run you were on, there was a lot of games that was just one goal defeats. Yep. What, what was behind, like, you just couldn't seem to get the breaks or you just couldn't hold on or just get what it took to get at least a point out of it what do you put that down to just the youngness of the group mentality or it's tough to score goals for sure and I think it's maybe a little bit more tough for, for younger players to score goals in, in such a senior league um, and then when they're not going in and you know like 
week in and week out, you can just you can see them like as the game's going on, 70 minutes, 80 minutes, you can just see the belief kind of dropping in them a little bit. And I mean, that's been the biggest part of our job is just you know keeping them encouraged and and, and keeping them going and and you know it's just, it's just scoring goals is the toughest thing to do. So you know, obviously this is a development team, but the league isn't. Right. So you, how, how tough is it when you're going up against, like, look at Phoenix, they've got Wright Phillips, they've got Drogba. Yep. Going up against these guys, how hard is it to, to try and like be on a level playing field when you're fielding five teenagers at a time? Well, it's not level, that's for sure, but you know what? The learning experience for the, the young guys is it's unbelievable. Like, I'll use David, David Norman, for example, tonight. Like, we have a corner kick, he's sprinting to take it. There's a free kick. He's sprinting to take it. Like 90th minute, we're down a goal. He never stops, and he runs and he runs and he runs, and that's the bare minimum. And when we go up against these teams, the Phoenix, the OCs, that's that's the very least we can do is, is run and work hard. And you know they've done that all season, regardless of the results. And you know credit to them. What would you say is the positives then to take out of this? Because folk will just look at the league table. They'll look at the results. Is there specific players that you feel has made the breakthrough or really surprised you or really come on this year? Well, I mean, at one point today there was eight academy graduates on the pitch. Mm. For me, that's that's so encouraging and I'm proud of that. Um, and I think every one of them has make, made a step this year. They've, they've progressed. Taron Campbell played something like seven minutes off the bench last season. I think he's occurred more minutes than any other player on the team this year. Um, David Norman, who had taken a year off last season and went to school, he came back, uh, shared some time at the beginning of the season, but he made that number six position his own by the end of it. So, I mean, all the young players for me have, have learned a great deal and they've improved. Like, like you look at the result today and you think, okay, they've lost 4-3, but we didn't get bullied. Early in the season we were getting bullied. With the more time that those guys played, with the more experience that they got, we were able to stay in games longer. We were able to actually, like at times, dominate and keep good possession in the opponent's half. That wasn't happening early in the season. So, for me, that's that's positive growth. Just last thing, then, for for you, how how have you found this whole experience? What have you learned, or how have you developed as a coach this year? I've loved it. I mean, in the academy, there's really no pressure on winning. We don't really speak about it. The players want to win. They're competitive. It's it's part of their nature. It's part of being high performance athletes but you don't talk about it it's, it's great here in this environment you know just encouraging them to want to win like okay we maybe didn't every week but we still speak about it and they know that they need to and they know that they want to and that's probably been the biggest difference is, is you know like feeling the um, the internal pressure not pressure from the club or from anybody like that but that internal pressure of, of wanting to win and, and wanting the players to be successful and to get three points for them Rich Fagan there, WFC2 head coach, and I'm, I'm sad to see the team go. Really want to follow the progress of Fresno next year, so we'll be bringing you stuff on the show next year for that. We hope to maybe have Frank Gallup on the on the show soon as well, once everything's announced, just talking a little bit about, about the plans and, and stuff like that. But there's a few Whitecaps, two players did impress this year. We'll have some more articles on AFTN this week about that. What one should stay, what one should get the deal in Fresno. A lot of the guys are going to be free agents and move on, so wish all those guys well as well. It's been a little bit of a, a down show, I think at times, just the nature of the game today and how that played out. Oh, I thought you were going to blame it on Joe. 
No. no, no, no. I thought we'd brought it up. Sunny disposition. But I, I thought we'd finish with a, an upbeat song. And in honour of Joe, uh, it's a band from Joe's hometown of Cork in Ireland. It's the Sultans of Ping FC. I'm wearing their T-shirt. We'll tweet this out as well, as well as Joe in his West Brom shirt. And this is from 1993, a Cork band. A lot of football songs. They're the first band we had in Wavelength on, on CITR. So this is a live B-side from their Stupid Kid EP. And in fact, I, I won't tell you what this song is called. I'll let lead singer Niall Flaherty tell you. I'm in love with a football hooligan. Sultans of Ping FC there, I'm in love with a football hooligan. Best part of that song, two minutes and 25 seconds. I know, you don't like the long ones, but Joe liked it. It combines two of my favourite things, my hometown of Cork and uh, hooliganism. No, I, I didn't think the song was that bad. I thought it had a good uh, yeah. good rhythm to it. Good beat. Great band. I yeah. saw that band so much in the 90s. Travelled around the UK to see them. I've got lots of photos of the lead singer just mostly naked with scratches on him, but... That, that was just his style. Those will a be, story for another podcast. Those will be worth quite a bit in a few years. Yeah. I, I would be remiss not if I didn't mention that Cork City Football Club are top of the Irish Premier Division, which we all know is the best Premier Division in it, the world. It is. And the, the drummer of the Sultans of Ping used to do a Cork City fanzine. Oh. That's how I got to know him as well. And we used to chat at the gigs and he did their merchandise and 
I did my East Fife fanzine and we well, chatted about that. That might be a reason they went under a few years ago. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> but that's nearly it for the show tonight. Busy kind of weekend of football coming up. If you are in the vicinity of UBC on Friday night, get along to Thunderbird Stadium. It's their thunderstruck night. UBC women are playing Fraser Valley, who are top of the Pacific Division. They're expecting two and a half to 3,000 folk out for this. Wow. It's a big, big event. There's going to be lots of things on. Myself and Gideon will have the call on the TV as well. Well, I say TV. It's Canada West TV, but yeah. I like to think it's TV. Yeah. But get along to that if you Dream can. Big. T- $10 admission. Th- this was kind of lost because we had our, our missing episode that never really appeared where we made the announcement. But next year, AFTN is the official broadcasters of the U Sport Nationals. It's been held at UBC and we'll be broadcasting that. So myself, Joe, Gideon, maybe get you involved, Steve, as I'll well. I'll see what I can do. As long as I can remember the numbers. That's my biggest thing. Knowing the numbers and remembering who's who. No, you just have to chip in with things like, that was crap. Oh, okay, that's it? Okay, yeah. I'll do that. Then. Repeat after Gideon. That's <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got a really good song by Goldie Luke and Shane. That it's all about uh, Andy Townsend and his way that he commentates over in the UK. So I'll wait till Anna's on the show next and I'll bring Goldie Luke and Shane back. Can I, maybe I can go with Corey and we can talk wrestling the whole time. Yeah. I, I get Corey Because Corey's going to be part of our oh, team as he, well. Yeah. Okay, I'll go with Corey. He doesn't know it yet, but... Oh. <laughs> Anyway, that is it for this week's episode of the show. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And you can find me at CheesyDeezy, cheesy with a Z. Underscore Deezy. Underscore Deezy. Don't forget the underscore. And you can find Zach on Twitter at ZacharyAM. Zach is part of the movement Curva Collective. And you can give them a follow on Twitter at Curva Collective and on Instagram as well. You can give me a follow on Twitter at AFTNCanada. We're on Instagram at AFT and Soccer. Really need to give all you guys access to that so that you younger technological people can do stuff with it. Well, Twatface is just minutes away. Yeah, so I mean, I, we're, we're also on Twatface yeah. at AFTN as well. Google that, you'll, you'll find us on Twatface. It might just come up with a picture of Caleb Porter, but that is for our T-shirts. And yeah, read all our stuff, AFTN.ca online, away from the numbers. We'll be back next Sunday. I'm not sure who with, because I may or may not go down to Portland. Might just take a call at the last minute. But Steve, you'll definitely be here. I should be here, yes. And we'll talk about the whatever happens. We'll talk about us finishing third. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happens, it'll be a show. It will be. And until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then... There must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.